0: It's the LFC Agenda. Hello and how are you, Reds? Hope you're all doing well. We are back again for another pod. And again, reporting really good news in terms of the performance of the team. Two more victories since we last caught you guys and both of them in the Cups. So there's been no league action for a while. We've had Mohamed Salah and Endo go off to their respective competitions. AFCON started uh, Asian Cup. And there's a bit of a winter break as well, which I didn't really understand. I think most teams... Get 10 days off or 11 days off uh, one week, and then it swaps the next week. It's all very confusing. But the upshot of it is that Liverpool have had no league games since we last came to you, and um, they've kept things rolling in the other cup competitions, which is great to see, especially with all the absences. Two games to get into the FA Cup tie against Arsenal, and the first leg of the League Cup semi final, or the EFL Cup as it's known. So Liverpool on the verge of uh, progression to their first final, at least, of the season, which is really good. So let's start off with that game, as it was the most recent. That was on Thursday the 10th. Fulham come into Anfield for the first leg. Liverpool, again, missing a whole host of players. Virgil van Dijk returning to the lineup, but bad news of Trent Alexander-Arnold. Pep Linder's informing us that he's going to be away for... Around three weeks, I think we can call it a month. So he might not even make it back for the Arsenal game, which would be not good news for us. However, let's uh, see where we're at with that one closer to the time. Anyway, so lined up with kind of Bradley in that right back position in the absence of Trent Alexander-Arnold, he'd come on in the Arsenal game uh, prior to that, putting a really good performance, really sturdy, rugged, uh, defensively minded. Um, and, you know, you're playing at home against a team that, yes, does have threats, but it's not the most testing match the young lad will face. So I think given the challenges that we've got in the short term, I think he can pretty much be assured of, of that place. He's come in and he's done a sound job. It was one of those where Liverpool, without throwing a kitchen sink at Fulham, really had the game by the scruff of the neck. There was chances, half chances they didn't really look at their fluent best but they had enough possession and control of the match to make you think that in likelihood they would go on to score first and maybe get a couple but it didn't pan out that way and <laughs> when you don't you don't make the most of your advantage in terms of possession and control of the match you can get hit with a sucker punch and that's exactly what happened on minute 19 Willian tucking away after some really good work by... I can't remember who set him up, but it was a mistake by Virgil van Dijk um, in the box where he dallied on the ball and um, got himself pickpocketed and also managed to get himself booked later on, so it wasn't the greatest half for him. At that point, you're thinking, it is only 1-0, nothing to to panic about, but there's always that sense of, I keep saying it, is this going to be the day where our luck doesn't quite go for us, even though... We're applying ourselves as we should be. Uh, it did take a while for, for Liverpool to get really stuck in and, and impose themselves on the match. Even before they got the equaliser, uh, Marco Silva. Well, he looked like he was losing his nut because um, Fulham had, a, I would say, a pretty decent chance at getting a second goal. They they caught Liverpool on the break. Bobby de Cordova-Reed was on the right-hand channel. Saw, Alice, saw Kevin Keller advance from his net. Decided to take the chance. I don't blame him for doing it, but I could see in slow motion or on the replay why the manager was so upset and why most people would have said that he probably should have squared it for, for um, who was in the box? I think it was William in the box, um, to tuck away. And at that point, when that didn't go in um, and when they failed to to double the lead... It just felt inevitable. We we get to these positions in matches where either we're drawing or we're losing. Uh, it's half an hour to go. And particularly with the extra minutes that you get added on at the end of most games now. I think psychologically it hurts the opposition knowing that we have that reputation as a team that will come back and um, give you a bit of a bloody nose if you haven't managed to, to take advantage as you should have. That's exactly what happened. So, Curtis Jones walloped home and equalised. Actually, it was a deflection from the edge of the box. That brought Liverpool back into the game. The ground was re-energised. You know, watching the TV felt like the, the ground came to life and the fans re- recognised that they had a job to do and that actually, within the last 20 minutes, this was going to be an opportunity to, to win the game and take an advantage back to Craven Cottage for the second leg. And they did grab that second through through Cody Gakpo, which I'll come to. But interestingly enough, I want to talk about Darwin Nunes, who again, failed to score, but was just so busy throughout the match. And he got two assists in this match, which takes him to 10 assists for the season. Now look, my, my thing with him is, there's no doubt whatsoever that he should be doing better in terms of goal scoring. And I don't buy into this whole um, he's unlucky because every goalkeeper has the performance of their life against him. Some chances he's just playing missing. Some chances he's making it easier for the goalkeeper than it needs to be. But he plays across a front three where he should be, should be in terms of the positions he's getting himself into and the chances that he's presented with easily be hitting between 18 and 20 goals for this season. He's not close to that so far so he does have to improve in that aspect and there's a big opportunity for him with lots of huge matches, high pressure matches coming up in the weeks ahead and the months ahead for him to really impose himself and people will look back, if he does that, people will look back on the season and say actually can't you remember what all the fuss was about you know, we <laughs> delivered three trophies and, and he was the reason why I'll take two trophies, by the way. He he had one of those weird assists in that Curtis Jones did most of the work. Well, at least Curtis Jones plus a deflection. But one of those where it's, it's an assist by virtue of the fact that he was the last Liverpool player to get a touch before Jones took the shot. And he operated that left-hand channel, which seems to be The sweet spot for him. I don't think he's the one to play as a central striker, if I'm honest. Um, Not just in terms of return, but in terms of the movements he makes. I think uh, Jota uh, and Gakpo can do better jobs in that role. And I'll talk a bit about his influence on the Arsenal game um, later on. But he was the reason that Liverpool took the lead as well. Because he stretched the Fulham defence... Whipped the ball into the box. It was a gorgeous first-time finish from Gakpo. He just swept it into the corner. The keeper had no opportunity to even see it. it just flashed past him, and um, really smart finish from the Reds. And at that point, they cranked up even further. You thought there was an opportunity for a third goal. Almost came, but it was enough. I'm not going to look back and, and you know be in anguish about the fact that they didn't increase their advantage. Ultimately, we went a goal down. We finished the match 2-1 up, and now we go to Craven Cottage with a brilliant chance to make it to, I think this will be Jurgen Klopp's third League Cup final, right? Because he reached one in the quadruple chasing season and won that one. And we lost to Man City in his first season where he reached two finals. He also reached the Europa League final that season. So this is a great opportunity. I love semifinals. I'm really excited by the, the, the chance that we've got. To reach um, a first final of the season, I hope. I really hope the Reds take it. Um, it's not going to be a straightforward assignment to go to Craven Cottage and get the win. I cannot envisage us going there and you know having things all our own way. They will be doing their utmost to make sure they reach that League Cup final. But you know, ultimately, we've got the better players, better manager, um, better team in form. Or sorry, the team in form and. All things should point to us prevailing, but you never know in this game. So, not going to count my chickens, but I'm hugely optimistic for what's to come on that night. I think it's the the 24th of January. Really looking forward to that. So, that's the first of the the cup matches that I wanted to talk about um, that's taken place since uh, we last gave you a podcast. The first match we played, also against London opposition... Arsenal, as a club, are putting more pressure on themselves and making things easier for Man City and for Liverpool. What I mean by that is, I don't think it starts with the players. I think it starts with the fans. Because there's, and I think I spoke about this last time around, there seems to be an expectation from certain fans. Not just Arsenal fans, but I see it with Arsenal a lot. Whereby they're looking at it saying, OK, so Mikhail arteta has been in the job X amount of years. He's won an FA Cup. Uh, It's been three years, whatever it is, without a trophy. Therefore, after going close in the league or, you know, running City close up until April, the next logical step, having spent all this money, is to have another solid title challenge and try and win this thing. But that's not how football works. Liverpool hit 90-plus points multiple times, and have one Premier League to show for it. That's not because Liverpool under Klopp haven't been a great side, haven't been one of the great Premier League sides. They have. The numbers will show you in so many ways. There's so many metrics I could point to. But there's this immovable force (laughs) that you've got to overcome. Plus, now Liverpool are having a resurgence. So it's difficult for Arsenal. It's going to be difficult for Liverpool. Even with this five-point gap, you can't look at it and say, actually, now this is how it's going to be. It's going to be Liverpool and City all the way. Arsenal still have a fantastic chance to, if they can recover their goal-scoring touch uh, and if they can get their heads right to really compete. And I I think this actually could be a three-horse race, but it won't be as long as they have this mentality of... And I think it transmits to the manager... Uh, and then it transmits to the players of, you know, it's now or never. You've just got to keep plugging away and see where it takes you. Ultimately, Liverpool could win 12 matches in a row, you know, over the next few weeks and still not win that league. And then we could still have a situation where we're shaking our heads thinking, how did this happen? You know, we went on a brilliant run just because one of the other teams, um, most likely City, were able to do the same thing. That's just the way it goes. You've got to live in a moment, clock up the points you can, do the best you can, hope the luck goes for you, hope you get the calls that you deserve from VAR and see where it leaves you. I just wanted to talk about that because I, I just am astounded by the idea that an an Arsenal team who are five points off the top, yes, they've had three defeats in a row, yes, it's concerning. 100% they have problems in attack. but for some... The noise I've been hearing about this manager should be losing his job um, just doesn't make any sense. Arsenal previously have won a title being 11 or 12 points behind Manchester United in February. So there's so long to go, guys, so long to go. But we'll park the league for now. That's for another day. We're motoring in these cups and it's another victory um, for us in the FA Cup. this time at the Emirates. I've got to say, this one was so satisfying. (laughs) I've got got to say, you come into the match, like I say, the, the, the Arsenal fans are putting all this pressure on their team. We've got to win this game. Even with Liverpool's injuries and their absences, you're still facing a serious team. So, home or away, it's always going to be difficult. If Arsenal come to Anfield, I'll be saying the same thing. You'd want to win the match, but there's no guarantee. Um, What I would say is that they started like um, a team possessed. Really on the front foot, full of confidence. They mixed it up. I like the way that Arteta brought in Havertz into that attack. Also brought back Reese Nelson, which I thought was kind of strange. I didn't think he started football matches, but there you go. And it was Nelson who had his first who had the first big opportunity of the game. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale drafted in uh, to fulfil his role of of cupkeeper. Actually had a pretty decent game, uh, apart from the first goal, which we'll get to. And he set up the first attack uh, with the kind of move that I'd expect off Alisson. Drifted outside the box, hit a pinpoint pass into space for Reese Nelson to attack. Uh, Nelson went straight past the defender. I think it was might have been Alexander-Arnold. Took a nice touch, take it past him. But he did not have the coolness to either bring the ball inside to give himself a better angle to take a shot or to find the accuracy to beat the keeper, uh, Alisson, at his near post. In the end, he went for the near post finish and it hit the side netting. That was a huge chance really early on in the game. Um... Most of the ground hadn't even settled by the time Arsenal had their their next opportunity. And this was one where it was complete chaos in the Liverpool box. It was all triggered by a really wasteful bit of play by Gomez, who's playing the left-back position. He was dispossessed by Havertz. Havertz, again, lots of really good movement. You could see, as a forward player, what he brings to that front line. Again, <laughs> the, the killer instinct is lacking but I thought he had a good game. And in this instance, he drifted into the box, laid it on a plate. Uh, I think it was for Saka. Uh, Kanate had a really good block. Ball came out to Odegaard. He smacked it against a bar. (laughs) And then I can't even remember what happened next. I think Reese Nelson had the opportunity to to slot it home uh, and Trent Alexander blocked. And it was just mayhem. But, but, for all the chances Arsenal had, I think I counted maybe four clear-cut chances. There was also the the Kai Havertz Kai header, um, where from a corner, he, he somehow headed wide. I would say it wasn't the most easy chance, but he wasn't really challenged. So he, he should have at least worked the keeper. But actually, for all the chances that Arsenal had, I, I'd count maybe four clear-cut ones. It was fairly even as far as what goalkeepers are asked to do there wasn't much that i think alisson had to actually save there's maybe two or three instances i remember there was a long range shot from ben rice but that was quite far out at a good height and he tipped it over had that gone in you would have been like this is a, this is you know carrier level styles of uh, implosion so that wasn't really a huge opportunity it was a good shot kind of looking back in my mind to think about clear chances. There wasn't many. Both teams actually hit the bar twice. Trent Alexander-Arnold after that bout of um, Arsenal pressure, smacked the bar <laughs> as he did at Anfield. Uh, but this this time it was um, not such an easy chance. And that, I think, woke up Arsenal to remind them, actually, even with Van Dijk missing, who got an injury just before kick-off, uh, even with Salah not there, even with our holding midfielder not there, even with our left backs missing, you are in a game against a top team, and this was also a reminder for Liverpool fans who were worried that you know there's going to be there's going to be chances for us, and they did come. I spoke about the mindset of the Arsenal fans coming into this game. Every because I tend to listen to quite a few other podcasts and and fan stations, and the overall theme was. I think there's that that long term, okay, it's been a while without a trophy. We need to win something. We really need to win something for this season if we can. But overwhelmingly, what was coming across was this is a a must win game. I, I, I just can't get my head around an FA Cup tie being a must win game, particularly in the third round against a team that's top of the league. You know, ideally, you want to win it. But I think conversely, for Liverpool fans, because of the absences, because of the fact that we have already reached a semi-final in a domestic competition and we're motoring along nicely in all competitions. It wasn't a must-win for us. I agree, but I hate, hate going out of any competition. <laughs> the feeling it leaves you the next morning or you're going into work or going about your, your day, it's just something nagging out in the back of your mind. And I was more hopeful that we could come and give a good count of ourselves. But, yeah, in reality, I'd say if, if we lost, I wouldn't have been in tears about it. But uh, I was hopeful for us to progress, and luckily we did. And I think that really helped us. It helps us to relax. It helped us in those moments where we were under pressure but were able to come back, knowing that there's not so much riding on it in terms of pressure from the fans or the manager. And I think that was reflected in the celebrations of Klopp at the end of the game. He was, he was relieved also delighted at what he'd managed to achieve because he had no idea how it'd go. It's definitely a, any outcome is possible kind of time. Um, spoke about Nunes in relation to that Fulham game. And again, no goals, but the impact of this guy is that he always occupies the thoughts of defenders. This was the match where all of Liverpool's joy, pretty much, in the second half, came down that left-hand channel. And the reason for this was because Nunes got himself in positions where he was able to attack the full-backs, occupy them, open up space for, for Jota, who came on later, who inevitably caused Arsenal all kinds of stress, and really you know, support the attack down that flank. There was an opportunity for him where, I say it was an opportunity, he made it, where he whipped the ball, um, came inside the defender and whipped the ball just past the post of Ramsdale. You could see <laughs> the keeper was worried by that one, he was planted. Um, on another day it goes in, it didn't, but he just kept persevering, kept plugging away. I said all the joy came down that side. Um, there was a Jota header uh, from a corner on that side which hit the bar. Uh, And then there was an opportunity from a free kick, which we scored from uh, where Trent Alexander-Arnold whipped it inside the box. Kivior fluffed his lines. I think the header that went past Ramsdale could have been avoided. First of all, if Kivior just had a bit more awareness, imagine if that was Zinchenko. It would probably be hanging effigies of him. And also... Aaron Ramsdale didn't need to come out like that, I didn't think. He would have increased his chances of not conceding had he held his position. Um, but yeah, it's just the, I guess the the devilish nature of the ball that was whipped in by Trent um, that set off the panic alarms and ultimately, I think, sucked out the belief from Arsenal that they were going to get anything out of the game. There wasn't much to to look back on for them after that point. And inevitably, when you're pushing, you're chasing the game, it's a cup tie, it's not important um, how many goals you can see at that point. You just want to try and get the equaliser. The space did open up. Uh, Again, Nunes drifting down that left-hand side, releasing the ball for Jota. Really nice, quick feet. He um, found the space for, for Diaz to run into on the edge of the box. And Diaz' first touch takes it away, sets himself up nicely for his shot, which if he does if he takes that shot, which lands in the top right hand corner of the goal, if he takes that shot twenty times, I'm pretty sure eighteen times it's hitting the bar or it's going over it, the precision and power of it was just gorgeous. and it's one of those ones where it puts the seal on the match. Uh, it's such a big relief for for everyone associated with, with the team. Oh, yeah, it's just such a good good feeling when that goal went in. Because even though I didn't feel we we're under pressure, even though I thought we'd see at home, it was just confirmation of, you know, job done, uh, move on to the next assignment. And this is what the guys have to keep doing from week to week. They just need to keep ticking off each assignment one by one, seeing where it leaves them. I remember last time we were in a situation where we lost players to to international tournaments in January. And don't forget, we lost Mane and Salah in the quadruple-chasing season. That was only two years ago. And it does something, I I think, to the mindset and mentality of good players. So that time, Jota stepped up. This time, all of the front line are contributing. Jota, Nunes, Gakpo... Diaz have all had decisive moments and contributions um, since since Mo's gone away, and I feel that's going to continue. Now the question is, can Liverpool actually improve? Because there's still there's still issues that they're facing defensively. Even though the record is sound, you know they are contending or have been contending with with absences with the left backs with Van Dijk, um, now with Trent missing. That's a new dynamic you're going to have to deal with. And I think they can do it. I, I really like the look of Conor Bradley. I did mention him with regards to the Fulham game, how he came and slotted in. Was pretty much unnoticed, in a good way. Um, he came on in the second half uh, alongside Clark. And Arsenal found that they had more of a an obdurate object to navigate and get past. Because there was one moment where Trent was done by Martinelli, where he pushes the ball past him. Um and when Clark came on, it just seemed a lot more solid free trent to to push himself up into uh, those more threatening positions in midfield and i like the I love the way he drifts across the midfield he's very much um that guy now who's our orchestrator um and maybe this will be the opportunity for Bobby Clark you know going forward to play more games than maybe he might have um It remains to be seen. I think I'd still start with Trent at right back and, you know, just let him do what he does. I don't like to overthink it with him. He just needs to be on the pitch. But I think Bobby Clark does represent some really good defensive options for us going forward. Um, So the hope is just that the players stay fit and that, as I say, they just keep ticking these games off one by one. Next up for us is Bournemouth. At home in the Premier League, it'll be great to get back to league action. Uh, at the time of recording on Sunday, it is Man City who have closed the gap. Um, they got a last-minute winner against Newcastle. Again, you can't stress yourself too much about what they're doing. It is annoying when it happens, but we've done it so often that, um, you know, you just have to accept that we're up against a really good opponent. Things could go either way, but... Promising things are, we're top of the league. They've still got to come to Anfield in March. Usually it's the other way round. We're looking forward to this date that's looming in the diary of having to play them in, in springtime uh, at the Etihad. But now the roles are reversed. It'll be equally as tough a game, but it's just going to feel better, isn't it? I don't want to look too far ahead, but that, that match is going to be titanic. It's going to be titanic. But in the meantime, Liverpool need to... Just they get a draw here and there, it's not the end of the world. But they need to see if they can just try and match City in that time in the league. Or at the very least, you know, not drop off or go into a spell where they're losing uh, silly games or dropping silly points. And it shouldn't be. Bournemouth is going to be difficult. Did I say it's at Anfield? It's not. It's, it's away from home. Sorry. Um, it's going to be difficult. You've got Dominic Solanke who's, who's banging form at the moment. Really high in confidence. But again... We're going there with lots of confidence, playing well. Yes, there's still issues with, with um, various parts of the team as far as absences go. But gradually, week by week, we'll get stronger. McAllister's now back in the team. By the time February comes round, we'll have at least two or three players back from international due to injury. So we are going to get progressively better. And we'll see how we fare in that game coming up on Saturday. OK, we'll leave it there exciting time to be a red and looking forward to the next one let's keep it going you never walk alone